Thank you, Joy. Wonderful piece of uh, classic choral repertoire from the 20th century. Van Denman Thompson leading us into the first Sunday in Lent. Welcome to Trinity. Glad that you are here. Welcome to Trinity. And we are going to talk a little bit about temptation and wilderness today. So we're going to start, Ron and I, with a song called Out in the Wilderness by Jay Beach. Again, welcome to Lent. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. Glad you're here.
Good morning. Welcome you uh, all to church on this first Sunday in Lent, and welcome to those uh, who are joining us online. Uh, Brenda and Jim Ferries in Minnesota, Chuck Baumgren in Issaquah, and Marty Butt and Gick Harbor and so many others who join us every week and communicate with us. We're honored uh, by your presence and by their presence in our family. Bell Choir is here to serve us this morning, and we have a beautiful service before you. If you follow along in the bulletin, everything will be projected for you as well. It's good that we're here. Amen? Amen. I'd invite you to stand if it's comfortable. Gathered in God's house, we worship the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We raise our voices in song and praise, gathering him holy, holy, holy. Responsive reading for this morning and this season of Lent. The responsive reading is a, really a litany of confession and forgiveness. We have come from our homes. We have come to God's house. We gather with our sisters and brothers. We stand before God. Everyone welcome, everyone equal. We come to the God of healing. You know our hearts. You know our pain. You know our regrets. We have against you. We have against those we love most. Our sin With shattered dreams and broken hearts. With bitterness and despair. You have promised us forgiveness. That we may forgive others. We continue with our um, hymn of praise, Come and See. Uh, Carl will be leading us with the green part of the text, with the white part, and we all sing the refrain together.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. Gracious Lord God, give us clear vision that we may see you as you are, merciful and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And by coming to a greater understanding of your identity that we might live into our own, send now your Holy Spirit and open our hearts and minds as we worship in the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Good morning. Wow. That's pretty cool. We have a reading from Genesis 1 and 2 this morning. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat it, you shall die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you, Cheryl. As you uh, listen to the song the Bell Choir is going to play, I invite you at the beginning of Lent here to, to just kind of absorb this text. It'll be projected for you and uh, kind of contemplate on breathe on the breath of God.
Beautifully done. Thank you to the bell choir. Breathe on me, breath of God. You'll remember uh, from that very first story that uh, it was the breath of God that gave us life, Adam and Eve, and uh, all of us as well. So thank you for that. Thank you, Cheryl, for reading that uh, text from the Old Testament. Um, we're not going to blame the woman. We're not going to blame the snake, but we're going to look at those stories here this morning. We're going to be talking about temptation on this first Sunday in Lent to assign text. Temptation and identity. And we will see that the two are intimately connected. A meme about identity. A priest, a rabbit, and a minister walked into a bar. The bartender asked the rabbit, what will we have? The rabbit shakes his head and answers, I have no idea. The only reason I'm here is because of autocorrect. <laughs> well, you don't, you don't all get it? Listen, I, I showed it to these two, and they got it. I think we just watch 20 minutes of that and walk out happy, could we not? Okay, do you got it? Temptation and identity and how they are related, how they are connected. Temptation and identity, does this lesson that we have, these two lessons, do they really have any application for your life and mine? Well, let's start this way. I want you to take a moment in your mind and I want you to define yourself with titles. Chosen titles, inherited titles, or given titles. What are the titles that have helped you to define your sense of self, your identity, or your place in life? What are those titles? Now we'll start with family titles, just be a little aerobic, put your hand up every time it applies to you. Titles, mother, father, Sister, brother, grandmother, grandfather, aunt, uncle, son, daughter, prodigal child. <laughs> Probably a few more than answered, but that's good, okay. All titles, familiar titles. Um, some of, of us have chosen the title also of wife or husband. Titles, Christian, American, Husky, Cougar. Okay, there we are. We've heard from a cougar. And then there are other titles like work-related titles like teacher or engineer or shipbuilder or carpenter or plane builder. There are other titles like a Rotarian or Kwanian or a daughter of Norway or a PEO member. And of course, in this place, we would say that our ultimate identity is that of a child, a child of God a creature given life and breath by the author of creation. As you think about all of this, titles help to define us. We find meaning in them, and others come to understand who we are by the titles that we carry. Let's move now from titles to attributes. What attributes would you choose to define your life? What attributes would you like to be used by those telling your story at your funeral? Loyal? Honest? Loving? Trustworthy? Kind? Considerate? Generous? Compassionate? The attributes that defined our lives are by and large chosen. We choose them. With discipline and with intention, they are chosen each morning when we wake up. We all have the capacity of choosing kindness every day. The descriptors we desire are earned. They are not given. They are earned each day by the daily exercise of our free will. The attributes that we hope will define us are within our grasp. The rich 
And the poor may not have the same chances and opportunities in this world, but the rich and the poor have the same access to kindness, daily decisions. Now, let me say something about daily decisions. God is not, God is not highly invested in your daily decisions. I can't imagine that God really cares what you have for breakfast, which sports teams you cheer for, or if you choose to work out or sit and smoke a cigarette. God is not highly invested in your daily decisions. Remember, you do not have the power to ruin God's day. But you do have the power to ruin your life. And you have considerable power to ruin the lives of those who love you. Temptation and identity. Who are we? Who do we want to be? And how do we want to be remembered? Some of your titles are earned, some are chosen, and some come to you without choice or effort. But the attributes that define your life are mostly chosen within your grasp. Now, what we have this morning is two temptation stories. You already heard one of them. They're both assigned to us this morning by the lectionary. And in order to let these ancient texts speak to us, we must come to understand this connection between identity and temptation. Temptation and identity are intimately connected. You see, temptation, and when I say that, I'm talking about real temptation. I'm not talking about insignificant temptations like eating chocolate during Lent. I'm talking about real temptation. And real temptation, what does it do? It seeks to redefine us. It seeks to redefine us in ways that we would not choose to be redefined. Real temptation does not have the power to change our DNA. It does not have the power to change our status with God. But giving in to temptation can alter or destroy our identity in this world, an identity that we have chosen or been given. Now, this is an important point. Temptation has no power over us. Temptation has no power over us. There is not a temptation in the world that cannot be overcome by intentional exercise of free will. There is not a temptation in the world that cannot be overcome by the intentional exercise of our free will. A handsome man, a beautiful woman, cheating on our taxes, they can be resisted if we stay true to our chosen or given identity with the intentional exercise of the free will that God has given us. Temptation has no power over us. But if we give it power, if we give it power by giving into temptation, it is possible for that 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 choice will change your identity, your position in life, the titles that you carry, and the attributes used to describe you. Now, let's see how all of this plays out in our Scripture lessons for today. The temptation stories are both familiar. Let's begin by going back to the one that uh, Cheryl read for us. Begin in the beginning. Our first parents falling prey to temptation. In the Eve and Adam story, The temptation had nothing to do with the apple, okay? Eat all the apples you want. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. Nothing wrong with apples. Wear an apple watch. I have one. The apple was not the temptation. The temptation had to do with identity. Adam and Eve were creatures. Now, that's not a bad title. They were created, and they were created uniquely in the very image of God. They were humans. They were the children of God, and they were in an intimate relationship with God, and their identity was given to them by God, and it was irresistible, and it was unchangeable, and they had it all. It was then that temptation presented itself to them. The apple, the one forbidden fruit, 
looked good, tasted good, but it was poisonous. I've sat in my office many times with individuals who have lost titles and spouse and children after a sexual affair. It looked good, it tasted good, and it was poisonous. The forbidden fruit, eat it and you will die. That was the warning. The tempter told our first parents that they, they deserved better than what God had given them, which was pretty much everything, I might add, just as pretty much everything that we have and enjoy comes to us from God. The snake began by creating doubt in the poor humans. The snake said, come on, come on. Did God really say that? Did God really say that you should not eat from that tree? And Eve said, no, we may eat from any tree except the one with the forbidden fruit. It's poisonous. It will cause us harm. We'll die. Really? You believe that? God told you that? It will not cause you harm. It's the best of all fruit, and God knows it. Eat of the fruit, and you will not die. You've got to trust me on this. In fact, the opposite is true. If you eat of the apple, you're going to have knowledge. Knowledge is king, you know. Eat of it, and you will have the knowledge of good and evil, and you will be like God. You'll not have to settle for this human existence anymore. Eat of the fruit, and you will not be the gardener anymore. Eat of the fruit, and you'll be able to hire a gardener. Do you realize what you're missing? You deserve better. The rules don't apply to you. And while, while we're at it, talking about this, did God really call you children? How condescending. If you think that God is watching out for you, well, think again. The nerve of God. Eat, drink, taste, satisfy your every desire. You'll not be harmed. Listen to me. Do you understand what I'm offering you? I'm offering you a new identity. You can be like God. Don't settle to simply be a creature. But it was a lie. And it left our parents to face the naked truth. They were insecure. They were afraid. They could no longer trust themselves. They could no longer trust each other. It was the end of innocence. They were dust, and to dust they would return. Adam and Eve ate the apple. It was rebellious, and they knew it. And when they ate, their eyes were opened, and they saw each other in a new light. They were ashamed now. They were ashamed of their behavior, and they were ashamed of their bodies, and they realized for the first time that they were naked. Shame and blame entered their relationship, and they found themselves hiding from each other and hiding from God. Adam and Eve were faced with a naked truth. It had all been a lie. They did not become like God. The promise was empty. They were still mortal. They were dust. They were creatures, not the creator. And now they were the only creatures in all of creation who were ashamed of their bodies. You see, the fruit was poison. They had the power to overcome the temptation. They could have listened to God. They chose another path, and life as they knew it was over. Now, this is an ancient story, but it's a very contemporary story as well. It's a human story, and it's repeated every day if you watch the nightly news. And it happens to your family members and mine, to your friends and mine, to sports stars and politicians, school teachers, and celebrities. And at some level, it may have happened to you. Free will choices, simple decisions lead us to deny our God-given identity and to betray the titles that we have chosen and the attributes that we desire to define our lives. We believe lies. We tell ourselves lies. We deserve better. No one's going to find out. Everyone's doing it. What harm could it possibly do? Temptation. Hear this now. Temptation has no power over us. And temptation never comes from God. And so we must own 
our own choices. The choices that we make, and we will live with the consequences of those choices. Adam and Eve listened to lies and fell. And now we move to our gospel text, where Jesus is tempted by the devil. Our second story comes from the gospel of Matthew, the fourth chapter. Jesus is in the desert. He has been there for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, when you think desert, don't think Palm Springs. Think Death Valley. If ever there was a God-forsaken place, this was it. Now, in just the previous scene, Jesus' identity had been revealed to him in the waters of the, of the Jordan River in baptism. He was the Son of God. The voice of God declared it. The heavens rumbled. But now Jesus was alone. He was alone in the wilderness trying to understand what this would all mean for him. Forty days and forty nights he prayed. He fasted. He considered the daunting trials that were before him. Jesus was tired. Jesus was weak. He was famished. And then the devil comes to him. And just as he did with Adam and Eve, the devil begins by raising doubt in Jesus' mind. If you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God. And that is what God told you at the Jordan, is it not? Well, if, you, if God was telling you the truth, if you are the Son of God, then why are you starving yourself out here? If you are the Son of God, you deserve better than this, Jesus. If you are the Son of God, then command these stones to become bread and you can eat. If you are the Son of God, then you need not live like these pathetic humans. Come on, Jesus. Turn the stones into bread and eat. But Jesus would have none of it. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the highest point of the temple. The devil questioned his identity again. He said, "Ah, you know, I'm not even sure that you are the Son of God. And I don't think you really know for sure that you are either. So tell you what, Jesus, throw yourself down, jump. And if you are the Son of God, then certainly angels will come to catch you. And that should remove all doubt for you and for me. Then we'll know for sure who you are. Jesus said, no, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Finally, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain, and using some supernatural PowerPoint, he showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor, and the devil taunted him. He said, Jesus, if you are the Son of God, then, then all the kingdoms of the world, they should all belong to you. So I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. If you fall down and worship me, I'll give them all to you. It was a lie. It was not the devil's to give. It was an empty promise from the master of deception. And Jesus said, away with you, Satan. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve only God. The text says the devil then departed from Jesus until an opportune time. The opportune time would be three years later in the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus was about to be betrayed, as Jesus was about to be arrested and beaten, the agony of the cross was imminent for him. Jesus was weak and tired, and might we assume in his humanity that he was also afraid? And this was the opportune time. The devil appeared now again to Jesus three years later in the garden saying, don't do it. Don't face that cross for these pathetic humans. If you are the Son of God, save yourself, because you deserve it. What we have here are two of the more significant stories in Scripture. Stories of identity, stories of temptation. Stories that are played out day after day in the evening news and in our families. Temptation and identity are intimately connected, inseparable. You see, temptation is something that leads us away from our chosen or God-given identity. Temptation is something that leads us to live in a way that is inconsistent with what we want to be. Temptation is something that leads us to deny someone else's chosen or God-given identity. But remember, temptation has no power. 
Temptation has no power over us. But every encounter with temptation is dangerous. So how are we going to overcome this temptation? We will do so by remembering who we are. Now, I've told you this story before. The story the first time that I ventured out of the Lindis family cocoon in DeKalb, Illinois. I was like 13 years old. I was heading off to camp. And my grandma Lindis, Aline, she came by. She came by to say goodbye to me at my house. And as she did, she took me by the cheeks, you know, grabbed her hands right around my cheeks. She looked me in the eye and she said, have fun, Jimmy, and remember who you are. She reminded me of my identity. The Ten Commandments, you all know them. You're familiar with them. The law, they're guardrails. Guardrails given to us by God to keep us on the road to abundant life. And how do they begin, do you remember? They don't start with the law. They don't start with a threat. They don't start with any prohibitions. No, they begin with a definitive declaration. A definitive declaration of relationship, of connection, of identity. They begin in this way. I am the Lord your God. I'm the one who led you out of slavery in Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. You are mine. And having said that, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal or kill. Your life is going to be better. Remember, you don't have the power to ruin my day, but you have the power to ruin your life. Remember who you are, my friends. Dear, frail, fragile, insecure brothers and sisters of mine, remember who you are. Temptation and identity. Remember whose you are, and you can, with intention, overcome temptation. And that is the gospel of the Lord. You may stay seated. Carl Moran.
seated for the prayers. Uh, Cheryl's going to lead us in the prayers, but most of the petitions will be uh, sung. Uh, we have a refrain. It's familiar. Hear my cry, O God. So sing through this once, and then after each petition, sung or read will return uh, to the sung refrain. Let us pray. conflict. 
bring humility and light to the minds of those who persecute others and justice to those oppressed. Hear our cry of joy as people around the world continue to seek to build bridges over the troubled waters of international conflict. Sustain them in their sacred pursuit of peace and reconciliation. Be with all who suffer loss in these conflicts. And here are cries for healing, healing of body, mind, soul, and spirit. Healing of relationships, healing of our earth so burdened by neglect, so that all your people might thrive. Hear our cry as we pause to breathe and gather strength for this Lenten journey, knowing that together we can be a voice of hope and a light to the world. And all the people say, Peace of the Lord be with you. I think you're going to have to stand up to share the peace. Thank you for sharing that great peace. After service, take that good energy right across the hall into the gym. There's coffee and cookies and all kinds of goodies, opportunity for you to spend a little time together, catching up with each other, uh, always looking out for new faces. We have visitors every week. We're honored by their presence, but they need to be embraced into our circle, so look for those people as you're in the coffee hour. Um, so uh, a few announcements. There are lots of announcements printed in your bulletin, uh, but just to raise up a few before um, my partners uh, here come up to speak, um, Lenten meals, now every Thursday, uh, every Thursday night now during Lent as we move towards Jerusalem in this Lenten journey uh, towards Holy Week. Um, every Thursday night at 6 o'clock, we have a potluck dinner in the gym. So that means we eat what you bring. There you go. We all bring something. We come in there. We eat together at 6. We put the tables and chairs away. We come in here at 7 o'clock for holding evening prayer. And... Uh, that service is about 35 minutes, maybe, or so. So it's 7 o'clock, that service. But uh, this, uh, this Thursday, the first of those meals. So take note of that. Out on the table, there's also a, a card ministry, some names there. Pick up those. Uh, send a card. It doesn't matter if you know these folks. Uh, we choose people who could be uplifted. It helps their immune system. It helps them feel not alone, especially if they've been shut in or whatever else. So if you'd send those, uh, that would be great. And then thank you for your great response to the uh, uh, ELCA earthquake relief for these just these troubling images from uh, Syria and from Turkey. And this week, we, uh, we sent off $17,000 from our church. Now, you might ask, what can I do as an individual? Very little. But then you ask, what have we done together? Uh, this is just the start. There's going to be more than this that we'll send, but $17,000, I mean, that might feed 500 people for weeks over there. You know, it'll rebuild homes over there. So what can we do together? We can make a difference. We can make a difference. So I thank you for your gifts uh, to uh, ELCA Earthquake Relief. And as you know, with the ELCA, they pay all the overhead. So 100 pennies out of every dollar that you give end up going to be on the ground in uh, Turkey and in Syria. So uh, lots of other announcements, but I'm going to call on whoever's going first among my injured colleagues. They both have injured hands. Okay. All right. So, so far you guys have done a great job signing up for March and April. There's one weekend in particular that it seems like a lot of you are trying to stay away from, which is March 19th, because I said that it was Kilt Sunday, right? <laughs> so 
um, here's a picture. Aren't they cute? I mean, come on, right? So as you see, I mean, you don't all have to wear a kilt, but maybe plaid, because that's kind of what it is. So don't be afraid to sign up to volunteer on that weekend, because all you need to do is just do your job and maybe wear something plaid. It'll be fun. Um, then, what was the other one I had to announce? Yeah, I don't know. Then the other one is Easter. So somebody asked me, um, why is the Easter one so skinny and I couldn't even get my name on there? Because the Easter sign up is like uh, this big and I, I can't, I don't have enough room. So the Easter sign ups will come out in a couple of weeks. We've got seven, nine and 11. Lots of people need it that weekend. So check your calendars and hopefully you'll be able to sign up and sign up for Kilt Sunday, it'll be fun. Thank you. Thank you, Lana. Good morning. Okay, so Sunday Forum between services, 9.15 out in the fireside room uh, this morning talking about the Lord's Prayer. This is part two in the conversation of the Lord's Prayer. And then next Sunday begins a series, Surprised by Hope and Rethinking Heaven, the Resurrection and the Mission of the Church. That's a series by N.T. Wright that starts next Sunday. So down uh, Fireside Room 915 between services, and that's for um, anyone who is interested. And from the youth side, I want to offer a thank you. Last Sunday night, we took uh, 10 of our confirmation students down to St. Mark's Episcopal in Seattle for the Compline service. Really, really beautiful service. And then came back here for an all-nighter. And I got to tell you, in all my years doing this, this is the first night everybody fell asleep. I was sitting there at like 5 o'clock in the morning going, well, now what do I do? <laughs> but <laughs> it was really great, and thank you for your support in all of those things. We have a lot of fun. Uh, so coming up today, we do have confirmation class today and high school youth group after the second service. And then a note about Holden Village this summer. This is the opportunity for anybody who would like to participate to travel to Holden Village in June. There's information and uh, reservation sheets out on the table in the narthex. Come see me with any questions about that. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Lana. Thank you all for making this your church, that we do it together. So thank you for that. We're going to transition towards the Lord's Prayer with a transition song, Lead Me, Guide Me. Are we all singing, Carl? We're all singing. Okay. I hope.
invite you to stand as we lift our hearts to God uh, in prayer, singing together the words of Jesus, the Lord's Prayer. Now as you depart from this place of worship, go out those doors and make a difference where God puts you this week. Together we make a difference. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And our ending, I saw the light.